Good morning, everyone. Is my power on? It sounds like it is. It's always encouraging when it's on right from the very beginning. And it's like with the Holy Spirit. If you're not plugged into the power, you don't accomplish much. So this was a testimony. It's not a mistake. The Thrive Manual that you're going to become familiar with for most of its existence was titled The Harvester's Handbook. So that's what, why the reference was made there to that. And uh, this is just a reminder that, that the, the scriptures that we hold in our hands are for all people everywhere, every place in the, in, the, in, the, in the universe, every place in the planet, and down through history. We have a world book to follow in terms of the Bible, and it's not just something specialized for Westerners, etc., and this can speak to you as well as to the potential for church growth at, at, at Life Church. Uh, we will talk more about that. It's a privilege to be here. We're a little technically challenged this morning in that uh, we have some, I've got a, a visual here of what you have there, but they're not electronically connected. So Nancy is the operator from the back. I'm the operator from the front. And... <laughs> Excuse me, so we'll, uh, we'll work through this, and uh, I'm always reminded Jesus didn't have PowerPoint, and uh, so what he had was the Holy Spirit, plus his divine nature as well, and uh, so those dynamics are present with us today, and uh, that's what's, what's critical. But let me uh, focus on, on my version here, and uh, Nancy and I will try to coordinate uh, let me see here. I'm technically challenged. I'm the older generation that didn't grow up playing with this as a kid. And so, okay, do you see a slide that says, Here Jesus planned for plus one discipleship? Is that up there? Yeah. All right, that has arrived. So, I uh, eavesdropped on your sermon from last Sunday via the internet, YouTube, and uh, heard your very excellent presentation that Pastor Dan gave to you to introduce this, the, the series of this morning and two weeks from this morning. Kind of a weird way to do a series, but, but uh, there's good, good thinking behind it. And uh, so I was, I was quite happy to be well introduced by your pastor I appreciate him a lot and the hours that he mentioned we spent together, and uh, I'm looking forward to this time together, and preparation for it has been a blessing, and uh, I'm glad to meet the, meet the rest of the family here this morning. So uh, let's proceed with uh, this statement at the bottom. One more click, Nancy. You should say, what in the world are we supposed to be doing? That's what we're about in this, in this series. There is, the next picture is one of me with my girlfriend and wife of almost 50 years. We met at the University of Missouri and uh, got acquainted there in Columbia where we both attended. And she's from Mexico, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> so we were uh, good friends and involved in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and Chi Alpha prior to being romantically attracted to, to each other. We were dating somebody else and each one of us, and uh, uh, we, those weren't working out, so we finally said, forget them, let's us get together, and it's, it's been working ever since. So it's a good way to start first as a friendship, 
before the romance, the romance continues, and we certainly are still best, best of friends, and I love her dearly. So we're, we have moved to Wildwood, this uh, little over, well, we put our house on the market in Springfield a year ago right now. We still own that house, so please pray that we will not be double homeowners, but we'll only own, only own, own one house. We're only living in one house. The one in Springfield is vacant. There's no rent coming in. So please pray for us along that line. Next picture is uh, our daughter there on your left and her husband. And their little, their little son in the middle is Andrew. He's a, I call him the little CEO. His mind is just never stops and seems to be inclusive. And, and he's six years old. And then the, the two little ones are twins, three years old. Uh, Andrew, Andrew is, the, is the, the older one, and the two twins are Ethan and Isabella. Isabella, as, as she called herself. So um, they live in Eureka, and we're surrounded by water for a little while uh, over, the, over the weekend, but uh, had no direct contact of extra fluid in their, in their yard, so we're very happy with that. Next picture is our son, Josh. I met a Joshua here this morning. And uh, some other J names, so our family, our daughter's name is Julie, I'm Jim, son is Josh, etc. So uh, Jesus is a J name, so it's bring good company. <laughs> Josh lives with us, he's uh, graduated from Missouri State in, uh, in Springfield, Missouri, when we lived there for 26 years. Didn't take him that long to get through school, but that was during the time frame that... Uh, and we've been to St. Louis many times with him for medical reasons. He was born with congenital heart defects and uh, had his first heart surgery at Children's Hospital. No, I'm sorry, in, in, in Illinois, we were still living there. And uh, had uh, four heart-related heart surgeries by the time he was five and a half years old. But the Lord has, has brought him through many things. He had another open heart when he was 15 and then a heart transplant when he was 17. And that was done at Children's Hospital here in St. Louis. And uh, we've been up here many times with him. His main specialists are still here in town. So our, part of our move up here was to access uh, the medical community. Our, my, my wife had back surgery a few years ago and, and then had both knees replaced about a year and a half ago. So she's working on the bionic, bionic woman contest uh, with her activities. But uh, we live out in Wildwood. We're, we're happy to be here. God's opening doors. Uh, Satan is, is fighting hard to, uh, in other ways, but uh, one of the doors he's opened is to be with you folks here, and I'm quite happy to be here. So next couple slides, clicks, should say Acts 2.47. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved, plus one. And uh, as we started out with, plus one discipleship is kind of the title that we're moving under with the idea that Probably most people, I have yet to find out people in, in a Pentecostal Assembly of God church who would say, I don't think it's possible for the Lord to use me to bring one person in in the coming year. Uh, you may not believe that strongly in your heart, but it's something it's hard to say out loud to say, well, God couldn't do that through me. But it's a very practical and realistic goal, and uh, that's what today is about. So you're not being asked to go out and knock on doors of strangers. I asked the, the question in the Sunday school hour, the growth group hour, how many have ever knocked on a door if you've been out door knocking and hope nobody answered? And there was the usual guilty laughs and, and recognition. <laughs> but <laughs> I was laughing with them because uh, 
that's kind of the least favorite, except for a few strange people who love confrontation. Uh, well, <laughs> unusual people, not necessarily strange. But uh, uh, that's not God's primary way of winning folks. It's through relationships. And uh, so that's why the, the, uh, the focus is not on confronting strangers, but on reaching out to people that we already know that uh, we have contact with in our, in, already in our daily life or accessible contact with. Many times the neighbor across the street, they're accessible, but we watch them pull in from work, garage door opens automatically, they pull in, the garage door goes down before they finish getting out of their, out of their vehicle, and they can remain strangers like that for years unless you go into all of your world, which just means across the street, and try to nab them on a Saturday when they're out mowing their yard or or getting their mail or whatever, and, uh, and initiate a contact. Because if you live so close to somebody, there's something less threatening about you as a stranger introducing yourself. You seem somewhat safe, unless your neighborhood is used to crime, you seem somewhat safe if you live close to somebody. And so there's a bridge to be uh, crossed there. So next, next slide basically says, who will you add? Write a name. And in your bulletin, <clears throat> there's an insert. And uh, you, you may be a little fearful looking at this insert like, dude, how long is this guy going to be speaking anyway with all this, all this content? But uh, this is more of a, of a worksheet for you to take home and to take notes on as you proceed from one, one phase to another in, in your outreach to people in your world. So the first thing in, in, in the caring column there, in your insert, says caring for blank with an underline. Everybody see that? Yeah. Okay, that's for you to fill in, not based on don't cheat on your neighbor's page and write what they put, but put in whatever name or face comes to mind, you draw the face or whatever, write the name, that uh, may come to mind, and for you to pray about that this person is somebody God wants you to, to go after, to be intentional. Now, I know that sounds like a project, it sounds mechanical, it sounds salesmanship, etc. Unless you're a, a guy looking at some gal that you're admiring and uh, wanting to kind of make some time with, and all of a sudden making her your project is cool, is, is fine. It's, you figure out ways to talk to her, what to say, etc. There's an intent, intentional process going on of how to engage relationship and how to, to, to advance that. And that works both ways on the gender, uh, both sides of things. So just think it's, it's a loving project. It's a person that if they don't know Jesus, they need somebody to make them their project. Amen? They need somebody to intend to bring Christ into their life in a saving way so that we can spend be neighbors forever in heaven and on earth, back here on earth, as well as being neighbors for a short time at work, stores, workout, uh, neighborhood, etc. here on earth. So I encourage you to just write a name, just pick it out of the air, and you may change it later, but to think about as we go through this morning, the applying what we're talking about to that person, just how challenging that be, or the Holy Spirit can begin to give you strategies or ways to, to, to work. The neighbor across the street in our neighborhood where we just moved, 
there's an older Catholic couple, they're 78 years old, they've been Catholics all their life, and he had a heart, not a heart, but a, a significant medical need that put him in, in Barnes Hospital. So I was able to visit him three times. It has, I mean, a pretty captive audience I mean, when you've got somebody in the hospital. And uh, I didn't get in his face over the gospel. But we did talk a little bit about the Lord and found out that he is, his, he's, they're, they're Catholic. And in their whole life, which, which has been spent being Catholic church members, he, I think, and his wife have never read the Bible at all. Never opened it. They just listened, went to Mass, listened to the homilies, and that's a sermon that a priest gives, I think. And, uh, uh, and you know, heard the church traditions, etc. But never opened the Bible for themselves. So, one of my projects, my intent with him is to pitch the scripture to him. And I talked to his wife yesterday. They're both kind of get, have this gunky stuff that's going around with everybody. And so I was, I've been gunky myself, so I wasn't offering to go over there and reinfect them or, or pick up more germs from them. But uh, I mentioned that I, this, the fact that they, they hadn't read the Bible and that Tom, the, the, the gentleman, uh, specifically the, the third visit I did, his wife wasn't there, so I wasn't sure if she'd heard me talk about that. But I said that he, Tom said, you never read the Bible. She said, yeah, that's true. I said, well, let me give you an encouragement. Does he like to read? Well, he likes to read Civil War books. So if you know a Civil War book that has the gospel in it, let me know, okay? But I said, well, tell him that just to suggest, read the, start with the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, okay? I wasn't assuming that he knew where it was since he never opened the book, never been to the library of God's Word. And um, just start reading, and it'd be something I'd, I'd be interested in discussing. So anyway, a little applicational thing there, but uh, write a name. <clears throat> Next, I think you've seen the next slide. Is it sent to your neighbors? Is that the one that's shown? Uh, and your pastor's done a great job of, of uh, helping you with that and even found a, special, a sale on Amazon where he got the, the book for less than I can buy it from with the author's discount. So God must want these in your hands. I was happy to see some of you had those with you. And uh, most of what I say will be in principle in this book. So there's a, a, a double-edged thing here. If you're hearing it from me, but you're also reading it from the book, I encourage you to, to, to do that. So, the next slide says, slow down, harvesting takes time, like when you. Now, when we think of harvesting, we usually think of combines, combines rolling through, you know, gathering up hundreds of pounds of seed at a time. That's not the picture that Jesus' audience had in mind when he talked about being laborers in the harvest. It was like people harvested in Africa where I grew up. Uh, one hoe or pick in, in, in one person's hand and uh, spending a lot of back-breaking time cultivating the ground and doing this manually by one person at a time by hand rather than some big machine-driven thing. So where, however you do farming, it still takes time. Okay? It takes time to plow, it takes time to plant, to, to furrow, to fertilize, and for the rain to fall and sun to shine and plants to grow. You don't just go out and plow the ground and say, where's my harvest? It takes time. So there's a whole series here. If you just click it so that it starts saying, wait for a fish to bite, get over a sunburn, have a baby, raise kids, grow a marriage. Is that showing? Is it popping up? 
Are there two people playing it? Two ladies playing a guitar? Okay, do one more click and see if it pops up. It's coming? Okay. Take time, slow down, go through this list and see how these are all ways that we don't try to hurry already in our lives. Anything there that can be done in a hurry? Okay. At the bottom it should say, and become friends with sinners. Got that? Okay, so you got the idea. This is slow down. This is not fast in your face. Go out and, and uh, lead somebody in a prayer and come back and testify about it and say, got that done. Get her done type of thing. It takes time. Okay. Okay, so the summary says caring for. Next slide. What we just covered. And the next step is to connect to. Connect, and this is building the bridge for relationship. And if you click that, the subheading says, Give time first, gospel later. Now, what's up with that? One of the things about connecting with people is to be a good listener. Okay? So the next, next uh, statement says, Ask and listen. And it says, again, One person you, you can be confident most people enjoy talking about is who? themselves right now especially if they have if they find this unexpected treasure of somebody who's actually interested in them and actually wants them to talk about themselves rather than just paying and paying the price of listening for a while until they get their turn to talk about themselves so to build relationships it's a good thing to you know to have casual conversation but ask questions what are your hobbies? What are your, what's your work like? Whatever. And pay attention and really listen. Not only after you, they ask questions, then ask questions to clarify or to rehearse. Did I hear you say or do you think, did I understand you to mean? And find ways of showing interest and attention to them and a willingness to listen and listen some more. Now, when you go to a doctor, you want that doctor to pay attention when you talk, Right? If he's sitting there falling asleep while you're telling him your symptoms, you're not saying, well, I would. I told him what was wrong with me. Yeah, but he was falling asleep. No, I want a doctor who's awake while I'm speaking. Amen? Amen. So, so listening is huge if you're trying to understand that person for a reason, not just doing time, not just putting up with their, with their uh, conversation for some other reason. Because when you understand a person and start getting an idea of where their questions are, where their challenges are, what their life experience is like, then that begins to equip you to be able to relate Jesus, eventually, to them and those issues. And it's amazing how God has ways of bringing you, by chance, into someone's life who's going through something now that you've been through in your own life in the past, or that you're even going through right now. See? So... God has ways of setting, setting us up that way and allowing us to, to uh, understand where their needs are and where their struggles are. Because if Jesus is the answer, then usually my next question is, what's the question? All right? If we just throw out the, the phrase, Jesus is the answer, that's like a general, no applicational value to this statement statement. 
But if you have specific ways that he can be an answer to their lives, and you can just report it from your own experience, especially if you've been through something similar, or just offer, you know, the big thing is just, just, just to say, I'll pray. I'll pray for you. And that gives you an excuse to come back later and say, how's it going? I've been praying for you. See? So what I also encourage is be sensitive to the Lord's prompting. None of this is like, you don't need, Jesus, you don't need the Holy Spirit because I got the method here. All right? It's hand in hand. So when the Lord prompts you to do something that's not on the outline, not on the sequence, do it because he's the one, he's probably crossed that bridge with somebody else because you're not the whole show in their, in their coming to Christ. That's disappointing to some, but really a relief to most of us. It's not all up to us. There's usually a sequence of folks. So, but to say, could I say a prayer right now? It's like, here? Because the typical thing in our society is, there's a national emergency. Go to your synagogue or, or church and pray. Like, dude, what's wrong with right now, right where we are? But people think, well, God lives in his house, right? The house of God. Our grandson, Andrew, for some time, I think he's gotten past this, but we attend West County Assembly when, uh, when, when I'm in town and when we're functional, etc. And uh, he refers to his Jesus house. We go down to up 44 to... 141, when we were staying with where they live in, in Eureka, he, he knew as a little shaver the turn off 141 to go north to church. It was Jesus' house. But the problem was he, he, he identified Pastor Jared Stoner as Jesus. I mean, he's got a, he had a beard then, and he was in the house, and he's like the main dude in the house, so must be Jesus. You know? So... Obviously, we had to kind of work at uh, readjusting his perspective there. But the point is, we're bringing Jesus to people's lives. And to say, could I pray for you right here? The message that sends is huge. It's like you don't have to have be in a special environment to be in God's presence. God doesn't sleep through the week and six days and then shows up for church on Sunday. He's always present, always paying attention, always available, always ready to help. And when you say, could I pray for you, it sends all those messages. I mean, talk about multi-texting, multi-tasking. You're, you're sending all these things that just rattles their cage. Like, you mean you can talk to God anywhere and he's actually paying attention? They may have trouble believing that, but the fact that you do that and you're so confident that he's paying attention, you see, that's a message that sends to them. God is paying attention. Amen? And he's paying attention to them. And we can't guarantee what the answer will be when the answer will come. That's God's part. But what we can say is let's ask him and see what he will do. And so when we lived in, in uh, Urbana, uh, Champaign-Urbana, where our pastor there at the University of Illinois is, there was a couple that came to church from Sri Lanka. And they were Buddhists when they were in Sri Lanka. And uh, they dropped their child off for our daycare center. And uh, we had a little bit of conversation going with them. But, but uh, they began to, to, as Buddhists, they said they prayed and prayed and Buddha never did anything. But when I baptized them, they gave us a testimony that what they started doing as Buddhists was they started to ask Jesus to help them with everyday issues in their life, everyday problems. And they began to get answers, believe it or not. 
So that helped them begin to believe in Jesus before they became followers. They were checking him out, and you know, Jesus is a friend of sinners. He healed a ton of folks without getting a profession of faith from them first. Amen? So they, so after that, that became part of their evangelism strategy. They started encouraging their non-believing friends to pray about every, everyday issues of, of life. And so that was what per persuaded them that Jesus was real. He was paying attention. He was answering. And see, we can use that, go with that same reality. So ask and listen and keep doing that until the Lord tells you, shows you something else. Now, the next line says, look for footprints. Is that up there? Yep. Okay. We're tracking right along. Way to go, Nancy. <laughs> look for footprints. What that means is, Look for evidence of God's activity in their life in the past. As you listen, as you talk, look for ways that God has been nudging them, pointing them, informing them. Even they may have given a shot at being a Christian uh, in their own life in the past, and it just, just didn't seem to work, and so they bailed. But uh, it wasn't God's fault that they bailed. And so look for footprints that you can point out. See, God is at work. God, you, can, you can thank God for doing this type of thing. And so that becomes, again, another aspect to, to focus on. Is this making any sense? Yeah. Low pressure, slow progress. But it's important if you're a farmer to know that when you plow the soil, don't expect a crop right away. You haven't even planted yet. But you've got to plow before you plant, most of the time. And then you've got to weed and you've got to fertilize, whatever. All these things need to be done before there's results. And the farmer needs to know this is the process, these are the right things to do on the way to results. So we're looking at things that we need to be doing that it takes, usually takes a while because the, the slow, a little bit at a time, relational approach is what works the most. And oftentimes it's taught the least. But it's the slow part that really gets the job done. So look for ways that God has already shown himself to them. And sometimes when the Lord prompts you to say something, a person has had a bad dream or they've gotten real guilty about something, and God has set them up for you to say something to them. If you'd said that the day before, they would have just you know, blown you off. But the fact that the timing of what God prompted you to say something that you wouldn't normally have said, see, this is where the Holy Spirit's guidance comes in. This is not something you can, a little system you can do where Jesus can just sort of take a nap while you're at work because you know the process. It's, you're always uh, looking to him for his guidance and for him to reassure or to change the plan. So, the last line on that that. Uh, Slide, if Nancy clicks it, says conversing with. All right? So what this is, now you've been conversing before, but what this re refers, is referring to is something we, we discussed in the growth uh, group earlier to this morning, is we do need to bring in the gospel. All right? And the gospel is good news. If you go to the next slide, good news headlines, and there's... Go ahead and click through until it says, ask for John 3.16, etc. Ask forgiveness, believe and trust Jesus as your friend, cooperate all day with Jesus as your Lord. Is that up there? Okay, we discussed that in Sunday school, so we're not going to take more time except to say 
be familiar with these three principles, these three kinds of faith, is what I call it, based on John 3.16. Is that a new one, anybody? John 1.12 is, to as many as received him, he gave the authority to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And John 15.14, I guarantee probably nobody knows what that verse says. I'll give you a clue. Here's what it says. Jesus says to his disciples, you are my friends if you do what I tell you. Now, what part of that don't we understand? This is referring to his lordship, which we discussed in the class, is critical to being honest with folks about what Jesus expects in order to come into a person's life. He wants us to trust him for forgiveness. He went to great lengths to provide that. He wants us to trust him as friend, to guide us and to help us. He's ready to do that. But the kicker that's hard for us independent, headstrong Americans to do is to give up running our own show. Give up deciding what we do. I want to do what I want to do. Unless you've got a big enough check to make my submission worthwhile. Get out of my face because I'm free. I live in a free country, right? Well, sort of. So the, fourth, the third principle there is critical to be honest with folks about the gospel. So we need to include all three of those in our discussion with them of forgiveness, friendship, and following him as the leader in our life and our cooperation with him. So that's the converse part. So you go, ahead, go back to just continue caring for for is the person's whose, person whose name you wrote down. How many wrote down a name? Ah, we got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Hey, we're getting up there. Twelve. Okay, thirteen. And see, so here's thirteen people. If I hadn't asked that question, probably wouldn't have been thought of this morning. And it may be the person God wants you to go after. It may be just somebody to get you thinking. Yeah. And you may be saying, God, give me a nicer non-Christian. <laughs> give me somebody that seems more open. See, because, you know, it's sad to say, but there are some non-Christians we know that are nicer than some of the Christians we know. Right? And so we'd like to have somebody that already shows some religious leanings and that may be the case. But let God decide, because sometimes the person who seems farthest is actually closest. Because crud is going on in their lives, they don't know how to handle. They're not going to let it show. They're going to make everything go, hey, what's... I don't know what I did, but anyway. They're, they're, they're busy putting on, on a front. I have a good friend, become a good friend here in St. Louis, works for MasterCard. He's a program writer. That's a league that I don't even know how to have nightmares about. But he's a young buck, worked out at the gym, rode a motorcycle, and he's, he's mentioned how much his life used to be wrapped around working out, looking good, walking into a room, making a visual display of himself, like he's a really a cool, muscular. With it, guy in the world's value system. And how that had to come crashing down. So 
my point is, don't believe the exterior. Whoever God put on your heart, he knows what he's already been doing in their life. Nobody else may know, not even anybody else besides them, except God, because there's no secrets to God. So trust him. If he gives you something that seems really, really hard, say, God, I'm really going to need your help. I mentioned in the earlier session, if you're not doing something over your head, as far as your own ability, that you feel like God wants you to do, you're probably not in God's will. Because he said, apart from me, you can do how much? What did Paul say? I can do a couple of things through Christ who strengthens me. All the things, defining, how do you define all the things? What he tells us. He's not going to tell us to do things that we can handle on our own for him, but rather we can only do with him. So let him decide who you're going after and begin to converse with them. Now, in the class, we, we shared some stories of Jesus' forgiveness, of Jesus' friendship, of Jesus' leadership. Click three times. Nancy, it should pull that up. So, I think, Pastor Dan, didn't you, don't you use a term called God stories? I mean, this is a setup. You're already used to doing this. But don't just do it in church. Do it on the job. Water break, lunch break, whatever. What do friends talk about when they get to the sub? What's going on? Well, if Jesus is going on in your life, then talk about it. Don't say, oh, Jesus, I can't mention bring him up because somebody might get offended. Somebody might go to hell if you don't. So how about how offended is that? See, So just talk about the difference that he makes in your everyday life so that it gives them the idea this is a relationship, this is a way of life, it's not just taking out eternal life insurance with paid up premiums. Oh boy, I got that fixed, I got to ask Jesus into my life, so if I die, I'm going to heaven. What about between now and the time you die? Well, I'll just try to, you know, stay out of trouble. No, it's a relationship that's supposed to take front and center over everything else that you do. Amen? So when you talk about how that's working in your life, begins to sow seed. Because most people need what you're receiving. The benefit you're receiving, they need that benefit in their life. And the Holy Spirit can begin to say, you know, what I'm doing for the person, you, what I'm doing for them, as in you, I can do for you. You need the kind of help that they're getting in your life. He's saying this to the unbeliever. Because you know God talks to unbelievers. Person can't get saved unless God talks to him. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit, unless the Father draws him. That's some sense of God is tugging on me. God is making Himself active and, and aware, giving them an awareness of Him, pulling them in a certain direction. So you just feed that capacity of the Holy Spirit to use your stories, your accounts to say to them without you saying, you know, you can do this for you too. That is something the Spirit can begin to convince. So again, you're not doing this for Jesus, you're doing this how? With Him. With Him. So tell stories over a period of time, at work, in the neighborhood, however you get together with this person. How He's forgiven you, how He's helped you, how He's guided you.
And it includes stuff, we did some of this in the, in the, in the first hour, that puts you in a bad light. You know, we're just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. And if you tell stories of how he, Jesus needed to forgive you something, it levels the playing field. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. And they're welcome because, just as well as you're welcome, because forgiveness is a big issue that Jesus went to a great extent to provide. And you cash in on that. Your life depends on it. And their life can begin to depend on it as well. See what I'm saying? So it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. Now, what we'll pick up more with next week, in two weeks, and again, this is all covered in the little book, better than my, in some ways, than my speaking, but is coaching. Coaching as, if we go to the next slide, when a person is willing, urge them to tell Jesus they want to go through each day, trusting him as forgiver, trusting him as friend, and trusting him as leader. And you can just say, are you willing to, look, I've told you stories about how Jesus has helped me in all three of those ways. You're saying to the, to the non-Christian who's saying, I think I need what you have. You say, well, remember those th the three kinds of stories? It's just based around him forgiving, him helping, him guiding. Are you willing to trust Jesus? Start living a life of trusting Jesus to, in those three ways for your life. And if they say, well, yeah, I think I'm ready to do that. And just say, okay, just go ahead and tell him. You don't have to lead him in a prayer. Sometimes they're more focused on re repeating what you just said than they are the meaning of the prayer itself. So just say, go ahead and tell him. And you, you check to make sure they understand the three kinds of faith. Just say, pray, you can pray with your eyes open. Doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, thou shalt close thine eyes when thou dost pray. Closest verse I've found is watch and pray. But that doesn't, that's not what it means. It's keeping your eyes open. But let them pray however they want to. If they want to close their eyes, that's fine, of course. And then you pray for them. But then you're, that's, that's your coaching them. Coaching is when you help somebody go somewhere that they want to go. And then beyond that is you pray for them, for their life with Jesus. And then phase two, which we'll talk about in two weeks, is coach their new relationship with Jesus. Okay. That usually starts after a person has made the commitment, sometimes before, they're not sure. But uh, so our, our, our presentation, so to speak, these two Sundays is the run-up to that commitment and then don't just love them and leave them. But now it's like having babies. Which is more work? Having the baby or raising the kid? All parents agree raising the kid. So evangelism is not just getting somebody to repeat a prayer and then just hand them a church bulletin and say, See you in church. Did my job. No, it just got started. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the attentiveness and receptivity of my brothers and sisters in this room. Thank you for giving me the privilege of speaking to them, relating to them for the friendship with Pastor Dan. And I just thank you for what you're in the process of doing already, that you will continue to do and to bring glory to your name and more people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Dan.